She's worked for over 20 years as an actress, writer, and visual artist. She's performed in theaters across Canada and has appeared in numerous television series and films, including The Winter Palace on GAC Family, as well as Designated Survivor. In addition to being a core member of the activist group Got Your Back, she's also a steering committee member for the Association of Acting Coaches and Educators and a board member for the National Society of Intimacy Professionals, all of which we chatted a great length about. Here's my conversation with Jennifer Wigmore. Hi, Jennifer. Nice to meet you. Hello. Thank you for having me. So I'm so excited uh, to have you on because you have two organizations that we're going to talk about today that you are involved in. And I am one of them you uh, helped start. So I am so excited to talk about them both. Um, people will likely know you from your most previous work um, as Miss Tilson on the Winter Palace. Uh, it was such a good movie. It was so, so good. And I loved your character. Oh, I had mean, a blast shooting it. Honestly, it was one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. It was it was so good. And you can really tell the chemistry that you guys had on camera. Oh, yeah. There was loads, loads of chemistry with the four of us. It was really an exceptional experience. You can't sometimes, I mean, sometimes you can fake that stuff, but it was totally 100% real. We yeah. really, really, really got along really well, all four of us. Yeah, I really, if you're listening, I recommend checking it out. There's encore presentations all the time on GAC TV. Yeah. Uh, so please check it out. Um, the scene with the four of you at the dining table, um, <laughs> by far the, the best writing. I mean, that was so, it's such Great. a funny, it just has all the elements, which is, I think, why it's so, it's so amazing. It's, yeah, it was really, really good. Um, and it's you know, lots going on behind the scenes too, in terms of the jokes and the and the just the camaraderie. You know, it's not just the four of us too. There was also really great camaraderie with the the crew and our director T W Peacock and, and and just producers. I mean, it was it was just one of those great jobs that everybody gets along and loves going to work every day. Kind of. Yeah, I had interviewed someone who um, played a role in a Hallmark movie and she always said being on the set of movies like that is like going to summer camp. Like it's oh. just you're with your friends and it's just a good time. And I'm like, how fun is that? You know, five weeks of summer camp with yeah. You know, right. in a beautiful idyllic location I mean I come mean, on it's, it's, it's fantastic um and Danica did a good job of of showing us a lot of the behind the scenes stuff on her um Instagram which was so she funny was when it, when yeah. Neil was doing all of his accents and the two of you just <laughs> they were looking at him like what is happening right now um oh, it was good stuff oh. so I I invite uh, my listeners to check out the Winter Palace. It is, it is a good, a good flick for sure. Um, always kept us laughing. No question. I mean, no how can you not? He's yeah. anything he's on and even just simple interviews on Instagram when he goes live and, and whatnot is a pretty funny character. So just, you know, you just kind of let him roll, you know, and stand back and watch. It's I think amazing. it must be part of his process maybe. <laughs> I think it's him. I just yeah, think, yeah. That's Neil. He's always like that. So, yeah. you know, I, I cannot wait to work with him again. He's a wonderful, 
incredibly intelligent, incredibly intelligent human being uh, yeah. with many, many interests. And uh, you should interview him. He's he's. Yes, I I am trying. We we have we have we have connected a little bit through Instagram. So fingers crossed. Um, oh, I'm a good word for you. He's he's uh, he's a great writer. And, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, has a lot to, like lots and lots of stuff stuff going on. So yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll just use this as the beginning for his um, for his episode, and I won't even have to write it. I'll just say, interviewing introduced by Jennifer Wigmore. Here is my interview with Neil Bledsoe. Um, I love it. That's fantastic. So, so let's move into the organizations that you're a part of. This this is kind of the nature of this entire podcast. I'm really excited to talk about. Um, these with you. And, and just a side note, in case people don't know, you are based in Canada. Um, yeah. So these are Canadian organizations that we're going to be talking about. Um, but there are organizations like this in the States as well. I mean, the, oh, the, um, you know, these things are, are relevant here as well, mostly to do um, one with the Me Too movement um, and the other with just like the entertainment world. And, and these are kind of intertwined. So mm. let's start with Got Your Back Canada. So this sure. is all launching from the Me Too movement, which was, yeah. which is, was huge, is huge. Um, tell us how you're involved with that and how that came about. Oh, well, Got Your Back Canada really started after, really after the Me Too movement began in earnest in 2017. And, and um, we had a number of uh, instances here in Canada, uh, especially in Toronto, uh, in the theater community, which is, I'm very uh, connected to the theater community here. Uh, and there was just a real need for a place for women in our industry to come together to talk about some of the stuff that was happening and some of the stories that were being exposed and the culture of silence that we've been keeping for so long. And so Got Your Back really came back, came together with this idea of the living room where we would meet but in the before times, we know when we could meet in person, we would just have these meetings where women would just come and we would talk to each other and we would talk about what's happening and we would talk about the experiences we had. And it provided an incredible platform for women to uh, talk about what had happened to them and talk about some of the changes that really need to happen if this movement is going to have a positive impact on our workplaces in the future. Uh, and so that's kind of how Got Your Back it had kind of started before with two incredible women, um, Talia Go Go Gomez and um, Martha Burns, two actors, uh, producers, directors who had uh, kind of come together for a mentorship. And that once the Me Too movement, they kind of rolled it into this and a whole bunch of other women like myself joined. And we started working together to uh, it really examined some of our local unions and associations and their practices uh, in how they're keeping us safe in uh, theater spaces, in live performance spaces, and in film and television spaces. And we sort of inserted ourselves in a, in a number of conversations that were happening at the time. Uh, and I think one of the other big things that, that Got Your Back did was we recognized fairly quickly that part of the stories that we were hearing from these living rooms were about acting education and coaching environments. 
And so that became a real sort of side focus of Got Your Back in term, terms of trying to make some improvements in that area. Acting coaching and acting education is kind of an unregulated area. They don't, those coaches don't really fit, and I'm one of them, don't, we don't really fit into all the other kinds of unions and associations. We're sort of, it's kind of the wild west. We're out of any jurisdiction that governs how uh, students and coaches are protected in coaching environments or acting classes. And so it was kind of this, this loophole. And as the stories started coming in about these particular places where audi auditions are happening or uh, scene study classes are happening or coaching sessions are happening and, uh, and harassment was happening and in those places, we needed to do something uh, in order to help bring best practices and some sort of regulations to the sector. Um, and so Got Your Back created an Acting Educators Conference. Uh, that was in 2019, which was an incredible two-day event where we brought acting coaches and educators from across the country together, and we talked about everything. Um, we talked about AL, um, allyship and EDI. We talked about intimacy in the classroom. We talked about mental health in the classroom, which, of course, is a huge thing for actors, especially now after COVID. And we just started having conversations uh, about how we be better at our jobs and how we create safer, more respectful spaces for our students to learn. Uh, that also came out of the Got Your Back survey, which we did, which was a 500 uh, participant survey of acting students in Canada. Uh, that that came out of directly out of the living rooms. We thought, okay, well, this is anecdotal discussion. Can we actually get some data about is this really happening? And and we did. And so it's led to eventually now we have something called ACE, which is another thing I'm part of, which is the Acting Association of Coaches and Educators in Canada. And that is a sector-wide supported uh, organization for coaches and educators who teach acting in Canada and uh, trying to bring some, so all the things I was talking about, the best practices and, uh, and some uh, community together um, to bring oversight into the industry. Wow, I wouldn't even have guessed that that was all unregulated. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a big part of the entertainment industry. I mean, that's I mean, that's a huge part for actors and actresses to have these spaces that they go yes. to and then have them not be regulated by anything. No. Wow. Yeah. And it was dangerous. It's dangerous. You know, the Me Too movement showed us how some of these spaces are incredibly dangerous. And I can't applaud uh, the, the unions and associations and governments, frankly, uh, in Canada and the U.S. and, and England for uh, really stepping up and making significant changes to their collective agreements and their practices um, to really improve spaces for actors and crew and everybody uh, and make sure they're safer and harassment free. And those policies and everything have been improved directly out of the Me Too movement. So there's been some incredible, incredible changes. But these 
but coaches and educators literally fell outside of all of those and so something else needed to change yeah. uh, and so it's just begun it's a fledgling association um but it's really it's really catching fire quickly and, I would, yeah i was gonna say it sounds like it is so that's that's amazing that's amazing work and and then the second organization we're going to talk about um NSIP, which is the national society of intimacy professionals um i was sharing with you before before we actually started i never heard of this type of professional that this was even like a thing until i watched the show bridgerton and there was a behind the scene thing you could watch i think on netflix and they talked about the intimacy coordinator that was on set with the actors and actresses and what the role of that person was and i just never thought there was a person i mean i didn't i just thought well maybe the actors and actresses just i don't know how you read your lines together you just kind of practice that i don't i don't know what's happening um That's okay just imagine how awkward you feel saying it imagine how we feel doing it <laughs> I mean, awkward. it is very awkward. I mean, even when you, I, first of all, I went to school for broadcasting and love film and everything. And so I'm like obsessed with watching the behind the scenes of any movie and how it was created. And I love when they like show the scene that we see on TV, but then pull out and you see, I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about how you're involved with them and, and talk a little bit about what these professionals do on set, because I don't think a lot of people understand what they do and how amazing their work is to keep everybody safe on set. Yes. So uh, intimacy professionals, there's two, two camps of them. There's the intimacy directors and they're for live performance. So uh, theater, opera, dance. Um, and intimacy coordinators are for film and television. And the reason is because they're very different things that happen. They work in very different ways. And so you sort of need two different, um, film and television happens really fast and there's lots of people and they, it happens really quick. And live performance has rehearsals and it's a little bit more, you're all in the same room together all the time. And, uh, and so uh, those are just the difference between the two different people. Um, a, that intimacy professionals make up. NSIP is an, another fledgling organization. Uh, you know, intimacy direction and coordination really grabbed traction again out of the Me Too movement uh, because it was one of the areas that, uh, that was identified as spaces where women get harassed a lot. Uh, and abused is in these situations where you're, you know, asked to be naked with some random dude who's also cast in the show. And, you know, you have this, you know, sex scene and you meet each other 10 minutes before you do it. And they're just like, okay, and okay, go. And you're like, <laughs> huh? What? That's frightening. I mean, oh, God, that was the norm. You know, you know, you meet with your director and you're, hi, I'm Jennifer. Yes, you're yeah. going to be groping me today. Um, uh, you know, you, 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 oh meet, and it was just like, and then the director would be, depending on the director, they would be, well, okay, you guys can just go and work that out, you know, just, and, you know, bring something. 
And not to mention that, and correct me if I'm wrong, most directors are male. Ah, yeah. Well, thank goodness that's changing. Like, yeah. Oh, it is changing. No, 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 it is rapidly. changing. But yes. Oh, yes. When in the, you know, in the beginning part of my career, I, I'd never worked with a female director ever. I, I only started working with a female director. I kind of quit acting for 10 years. We'll talk about that at some point, but I quit acting for a while. And when I came back, that was the first time I started working with female directors. And now I've worked with the majority of female directors, which is very exciting. But um, yeah, no, yeah, usually directors, not their fault. They don't know what to do. It's super awkward. And so they would just say, can you just go and figure that out? You know, what you're going to do? Like, oh, and then so then we would go to dude, I just met five minutes ago trailer and talk about how he's going to grope me. And usually that would be OK, but sometimes it would not be OK, you know, uh, and it would put me in a very, very uncomfortable and precarious situation um, where I'm doing my job, but also being harassed or bullied or expected to do something just awkward and dangerous um and especially if you're a young woman let's face it most of these kinds of scenes are happening with young women and that are you know may or may not have an awful lot of experience in the industry you know and so the level of their understanding of what is expected of them is very low uh, and so abuse was happening in these circumstances. And so very, very quickly, um, uh, Tonya Sina was the person who sort of invented intimacy directing and, and uh, coordination in America. Uh, and she um, created, a, created a company with a number of others uh, who were working in this area called uh, Intimacy Direction, uh, IDI, Intimacy Directors International, I think was the first one. And they sort of spawned a number of intimacy coordinators and directors and they sent them out into the world. And the Me Too movement just sort of made it all come together. And so NCEP is really the Canadian version of, uh, there are a number of wonderful uh, organizations and uh, in independent companies. Um, there's some really, really terrific intimacy coordinators now all across Canada and in the States and in England. England has really embraced it as the standard now by which uh, intimacy is portrayed in film and television. Um, and there would, but there's no national association in Canada. And I think that was one of the the reasons why NCEP was born. It was just uh, how do we create a national organization across Canada, a place for community where coordinators and directors can come together and also educate, uh, be an education resource for the community as well as the sector. Um, and that it's also in its fledgling where our website is like days away from launching. Um, <laughs> intimacy society canada and uh it'll be it'll be a really um uh, very exciting uh, a, a, um, very exciting addition to what's already happening with all the other wonderful intimacy coordinators and directors that are in canada and their their organizations and the work they're doing frankly there isn't enough of them we need more we need as many of the people who are interested in that work to join 
as possible because there, as we know, there's lots of that stuff happening in film and television specifically. And so there's just not enough intimacy coordinators to go around. And so the sec it's a real growth sector uh, for the industry and uh, we want to help make sure that there's standards and, um, and policies in place and a community for those coordinators who want to learn um, how to be one. Yeah. That is so interesting. I, 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 I don't know. I, I just never, you know, you hear about the, the typical positions of people that are on set. And I would have just never, when you explained it like that about just meeting the person like 10 minutes and then be like, okay, let's just go back to our trailer and figure out what we're <laughs> doing this scene that is like, you know, potentially really graphic and uncomfortable and yeah. And, you know, uh, that's just how it was. And, you know, some situations were better than others. I mean, most of the intimacy I did was in theater. And so that there's a level of care there that's slightly different because you're with those people every day. And, you know, but even then, you know, there was some pretty not well handled situations. Let's just say that, um, that I that I've experienced. And so that was part of the reason why I wanted to get involved. I'm not interested in being an, an intimacy coordinator myself. But I think that whenever we're creating spaces where intimacy coordinators or directors are working, you need actors to be able to say, this is what my experience was. And, and this is what I would have really appreciated if I, if you existed back then, I really would have appreciated having somebody who was my support on set when I was, you know, doing that scene of intimacy, you know. Of course, absolutely. And I would imagine that maybe, you know, act, actresses that tend to, you know, have scenes like this in films. I mean, I would think I'd want like the same coordinator, <laughs> you know, I mean, I would imagine it's somebody that you become really close yeah. with, that you feel comfortable with, you know, not so much like a lighting person or, a, you know, but this, this position seems like it would be someone that you would want to kind of request well, you, you know people taking their their makeup people along with them right and exactly so, that's I mean, what i'm trying to say yeah that's what i'm trying to say I, yeah i, I mean i would agree i think that eventually we're going to get to the point where certain actors want to keep working with coordinators that they feel comfortable with and can trust you yeah. know the truth is is that i don't know if you you know whenever i watch television or films now i'm always watching to see if there's an intimacy coordinator attached to that project. And one of the ones that I, I was really nervous about was the television show Sex Education. Have you seen that? I Another haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Oh my goodness. It's so... Uh, and I was well, now I'm going to have to check it out. Oh, <laughs> I, will, I will check it out. It's phenomenal and incredibly funny. And the performances are unbelievable. Um, and I thought to myself, but these are all really young people really young people talking about uh, and performing sex and sex acts and i was just like oh please let there be and of course there's an amazing intimacy coordinator on that show and when you watch it you think how did they how are they so brave so fearless so brave there's so much vulnerability in that show that it could only have happened because of an intimacy coordinator and i bet if you talk to those actors they would all say the same thing 
and that was certainly my experience when I recently I did a show um, five years ago where I had a lot of intimacy and I was with a director who was not technically an intimacy coordinator but he had practices like an intimacy like he probably should be an intimacy coordinator he probably already is in my mind but the way that he handled it made me feel so safe and so secure that I had more courage to do things that I probably wouldn't have done if I hadn't had that environment. And so I think that's the same as sex education because of the intimacy coordinator built a safe room for them to explore and be really vulnerable. The scenes of intimacy and the level of vulnerability that those actors are, are able to go to just makes incredible, incredible stories in television. Yeah, I mean, you would think that the performances would just be that much better because they feel yeah. safe, you know, yeah. in, the, in those environments and really being coached on how to do those scenes. Yeah. Amazing. Well, so you gave me a little tidbit of information that you quit acting for a little bit and yeah. took a 10 year hiatus. So what, so what were you doing? Well, <laughs> you know, I probably, this is probably no surprise to any of your listeners, but when you hit 40, all your work dries up because no jobs for old girls, you know, which is crazy. And you know, this was like 14 years ago. So, so things were different back then, but, but it really, it really was, became a dearth of opportunities. And, and, you know, that's a, I think there are, I had little kids at the time and I just, I just thought I can't, I was spending an awful lot of time auditioning and not an awful lot of time booking or working. And I thought, you know, I need to do something else. For a while i just need to reinvent myself and so i quit i quit i cut all my hair off let it all go gray and uh and and started painting and that that is what i did for 10 years was i was all it was eight years actually but i like to say 10 because it feels like it was, it's a round number um, <laughs> um and I became a painter. I did a full-on Joni Mitchell. I like left and made my way as a painter, and and developed and honed those skills and finished my BFA and my master's in painting, and started a career as a painter. And then that that director I was telling you about five, that the show that I did five years ago. That director was a friend of mine who I'd met at a wedding, and he said, "Will you read my play? We be in my play." And I was like, oh, okay, I'll think about it. And I read the play and I loved it. And I thought, oh, well, why not? And I did it and uh, it pulled me right back in. <laughs> and the rest is history. I <laughs> literally, I did that show and I got, I took another year. It was an amazing experience. I got amazing, life-changing experience. Made lifelong friends on that show and really uh, brought me right back into the craft of acting. And uh, it took me a whole nother year before I thought, hmm, I kind of like to do that again. So I got an agent and one of the first jobs I got was designated survivor. It literally just came out of nowhere. And then I was in, I was back in. Yeah, you were back in, I love it. <laughs> it was great you... for the longest time. You said, well, you seen designated survivor. It was gray, yeah. short yeah. and gray. <laughs> and, uh, and then a, I had a gray and long for a long time. And then I did a television show called Why the Last Man. And I played a very um, 
very conservative Republican woman and um, uh, and so the thought was that I probably wouldn't have had gray hair so I did blonde and here we are there we are. Yeah, um, I want to, I want to circle back to your painting because okay. I've been on your website. Uh, your paintings are amazing. Um, yeah. And so talk a little bit about like, I feel I would love, like, uh, I would just love to sit down and, and start paint, like just be a painter or, or be a writer or be, you know, and, and just like, I just can't for whatever reason. I mean, I'm sure I could, but it's just, for me, it's frustrating. I'm a perfectionist. And when you do things like that, they're never, per it's not what I want. And I can just see a lot of like canvases being thrown and a lot, like it just would not be pretty. So how did you, had you always been interested in painting? Was that something that you, okay. Okay. And when you, Here's a here's a weird factoid about me. I'm adopted, and so um, and when I I found my birth mom and and my half sister uh, when I was in my 40s, and uh, it turns out that my birth my maternal grandmother was a painter. There you go. Fun fact there. <laughs> so when you quit acting is when you you found you found yeah. your birth mom and your half sister. Yeah, it was just it was just after that. Yeah. Uh, and I just sort of started going into painting. And that's sort of when I when I met them. Um, wow. That's a whole nother story. Yeah, that's <laughs> so amazing. Yeah. But wow. yeah, painting, you know, uh, it's, it's one of those things. I, I was always very artistic when I was a kid. And, um, you know, it's interesting how paths go. Um, I, I had a very uh, my elementary school, I was a visual artist and I loved visual art and I was drawing all the time. And then the, the school that I went in the middle, we, in Canada we have middle schools here where you're uh, in, I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta. And so there was only, there was three years, seven, eight, and nine, grade seven, eight, and nine. And there was no visual art in that school. It was only music. So I did music. I went into music. And then the high school I went to, no visual art. So I went into drama and and so I, I kind of lost touch with it, even though I kept doing it. Um, and when I when I quit acting, I my husband I was sad, and my husband was like, you know, this it was right before. Well, I hadn't quit acting quite yet, but I was. Um, my husband uh, and I were living at a at a condo in downtown Toronto, and there just happened to be a um, an art school literally across the street and um they they were for adult for adult learners and uh so he said just go just go and sign up for a couple classes and i like after a couple classes i was hooked hooked and so i i just dived in and uh and it became the same because i used the same skills i used the same outlet as I do for acting, and I and I realized that as a as a if you're an artist in your heart, there's multiple things that you can do. You just have to learn them. You just have to learn how to do them, and you access the exact same processes of risk taking and vulnerability, and you know feel the fear, do it anyway. Those kinds of things, all part of the artistic process. Whether you're painting or writing or acting, they're they're all the same. Trust listening reacting that's all it is <laughs> oh that's so beautifully said <laughs> so beautifully said 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but when I was on your website, you, you, you're painting pets of people yeah. like dogs. Yeah. I love painting dogs. I mean, come on, what is not the best, the best thing? Dogs are the best ever. Like they make us happy. They're funny. Like, I mean, that's just my happy place. If I want to do something that, that's going to take all my cares away and make me feel really good about myself, I'm going to paint a dog. That's, that's, that's what I do for fun. <laughs> because that, I mean, how, that's like the best thing ever. They're so funny and you can't not look in their little eyes and go, oh, you're so cute. Yeah. My dog keeping right here. He's I was just gonna say you, you're no. you're looking over your shoulder. I thought, oh yeah, he's, he's right there. I'll there must that. be a pet nearby. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love it. No, I um, love it. I mean, I paint people too, and and I think you know when I first started painting, painting the figure was the thing that I really gravitated towards. But it took a number of years to, as you say, to develop the skill set. You have to be patient with yourself. You have to train your eye, you know, it's and your brain. You kind of the 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 wiring that goes from drawing from your brain, what you see in your eyes and out and into your hand, though that takes a while. It takes some practice and you get better at it if you practice. If you you can see more over the years, you can I've been working on a commission for a while and it's got a challenging perspective in it driving me crazy it's driving me crazy <laughs> because it's just one of those things i'm having a hard time seeing you know yeah. um, so it just takes time and practice and persistence and above all patience you know whenever you're making something that's worth doing you know it's frustrating and it wouldn't you wouldn't if it wasn't frustrating you you weren't frustrated about it you wouldn't care right it's a sign that you care Exactly. Well, now I feel like I want to buy a canvas and you should paint. You absolutely should. Yeah. Everybody should paint. It's actually a wonderfully cathartic experience. Yeah, I would imagine. And then you have this thing after that you can hold yeah. on to and hang yeah. up and see and admire. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. It's so funny because I have a, I, I do have a canvas rolled up. It's one of those um, paint by numbers. Those but like great. with the real paints, I mean, it's, it's, it's a nice, it's, you know, it's rolled up. It's It's a huge, and, I, and quite frankly, I don't even remember what it's a picture of, but I was really attracted to it a few years ago. It's been rolled up in there for years. I think um, you can dig that out. Those are yeah. amazing. I, I mean, they, they're so, you'll get such satisfaction out of it. You know, it's kind of like coloring, you know, the whole coloring movement, people coloring books and stuff. I mean, there's so there's a reason it's a stress reliever. You know, there's yeah. something the nice thing about coloring books and paint by numbers is that you don't have to think about all the colors. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to really go there and think about, you know, how do I mix colors or all that stuff? All that stuff is there for you. And and it's actually just a relaxing um, expression of art. Yeah, yeah. needs it. We all need expression. Yeah in our life well you've inspired me i'm gonna i'm you gonna get that send it, send a picture of it i will i don't even know what it's gonna be a picture of because i can't remember what i ordered but i will for sure make it, sure take it out i show you what it is but i know exactly where it is i just saw it the other day and i was like oh i forgot i had that in there um for sure that's yep i'm gonna i'm gonna get that out and we're gonna start doing that um well what projects do you have coming up do you have any projects coming up what can you share with us 
when we'll be able to see you again. Well, I think, you know, because of COVID, it's been very, very quiet since Christmas. There's not a lot. I've, it's just starting to pick up now with auditions. I've been auditioning the last, last week or so, a couple of things going on. But I, um, uh, but I have, and so it's been a great time to be a volunteer because I've been doing an awful lot of work on all those associations that I've mentioned since Christmas uh, because I've had the time. Uh, but I've been working on some commissions. Those are those are the things that have kept me really busy. I've been teaching quite a bit too since December. Um, I teach acting uh, for the camera um, at a university here in Toronto, um, and I also teach a professional practice class for um, for emerging art, visual artists and designers at uh, an art university here called OCAD University. Um, and so I've been busy with those things and so hoping that the sector is going to, film and television is going to start to pick up. Theatre has started to pick up again too, you know, as audiences are allowed to come back now. We're still sort of in a little bit of lockdown here in Toronto. Uh, and so we're, you know, all the movies of the week that were supposed to shoot here in February were moved into the spring. And so, you know, most of us have just been doing our house renos and <laughs> catching up on our reading. Right. I tend to crochet too much when I'm when I'm in front of the television. Yes. Started watching the new season of Ozark. You know, things that are important. Things that are important, which is another show I need to start. My oh. friend was like, you need to watch it. And I'm like, I feel like I have at least a dozen people every day. I mean, you had shared another one too, sex education. I'm like, I really, I would just be in front of the TV all day because there's so many shows. Have you never seen any Ozark? I have not seen any Ozark and it's crazy because I'm a huge Jason Bateman fan and oh my I, God, you're so lucky. I, so I, I've never seen any, any of them. I don't, I know nothing about it. I've never, I know it's a little dark. It's dark. It's, it's a not, little dark. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. haven't, no, it's, but I, well, I guess like, I, I might forget bad. about watching the Super Bowl this week and our Super Bowl is this weekend. I might as well forget <laughs> about it. I'll just I'll be painting and watching Ozark. <laughs> That's like all I'm gonna be doing. Must be like, what happened to the football game? Like, I don't know. I need to watch this show. I need to start painting by number. I oh, Ozark is some incredible television. It's like Breaking Bad family. Another it's one I haven't seen. I'm oh, so sorry. Okay. I feel like this. <laughs> do you watch any television? I I, I, do. <laughs> I promise you that I do watch television. Um. I do. Um, I don't even know like what I'm. Oh, you know what I'm watching? I see. I have Netflix, and we do we do watch some things on Netflix, but I still watch a lot of things just on cable television. So we watch a show called Snowpiercer, which oh, yeah, I I've been watching that. Yeah, oh, yeah. love okay. Snowpiercer. Shoots in Vancouver. Oh, does it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I oh, I love that show. So we watch that on a pretty regular basis. And then you know what? I tend to watch things. And this is interesting because I'm actually going to be talking about this on a podcast that I'm doing later today. I'll be talking with Ruth about this. Um, so you'll have to listen to her podcast um, with me because I'm actually going to talk about movies and how I, I, I'm a big mental health advocate here um, where I live. Um, I'm very open about my personal stories of um I had postpartum depression with my daughter. I did a documentary film about it. 
they still use the film as like an educational tool for providers to learn like about, you know, how to screen moms and why it's important to be able to refer them and treat them and whatnot. And then just in 2017, I was diagnosed with bipolar. So I, I talked to her about, um, about how, how TV, how shows helped me as part of my recovery um, certain shows, mainly Hallmark movies around Christmas time, really helped re, um, I was very traumatized around that time because a lot of my symptoms and suffering happened around the holidays, which happens to be one of my favorite times of year. And for a while, I just didn't enjoy the holidays. And so I was able to kind of retrain my brain by watching amazing movies that always had, a, they always had a happy okay. ending. Yeah. Um, and so people with anxiety like myself tend to watch things that they've seen over and over again because they wow. know what to expect. And so you will find people that have, have been traumatized tend not to venture out into new shows and things because they don't know what to expect. And so it makes them very anxious. Right. Um, so I think maybe subconsciously is why I don't watch a lot of new stuff. Um, and if I do, it's like, happy stuff, but I've watched some things on Netflix, like you and some other things that are very graphic and not, I mean, weird and whatnot. Um, but I watched them carefully, but that's what I'm going to be talking to her about today. Um, so anyway, sorry, that was like a complete side. Oh, that's, a, that's amazing. And what an incredible thing to be an advocate to for your story. I mean, I think that's, that's how great advocates are born, to be honest, you know, is when you when you've gone through an experience, you know, and, and you you can see yourself in others and you can see how you can help others through your story. That's yeah, storytelling super, super powerful. I mean, it's just yeah, I mean, your story can literally save lives if the right person hears it and they're going through the same yeah. thing and they know oh, I'm going to be okay. This person went through it too. So, um, so before I let you go, this is a complete shift. Now let's, we're going to, we got a little, we got a little deep there for just a second, um, but now we're going to play this or that game. Um, and it's only four questions and it's the same four questions I ask every single person that comes on the show. First one is, Flip-flops or sneakers? Oh, flip-flops. <laughs> My first flip-flops. I love everyone who said sneakers. Okay. Um, <laughs> cake or ice cream? Ice cream. Uh, the next pie. one is... But pie. Oh, and pie. But pie. Pie would be better than cake or ice cream. What kind of pie? Any pie. Any I'll pie. take any kind of pie. <laughs> My mother-in-law makes a really great cherry pie. Oh. And she'll like literally eat the whole thing all by herself. I would eat the whole Chair. thing. <laughs> Pumpkin really? pie, cherry pie. My mother used to make a mean lemon meringue pie, like with like a meringue like this thick. Like, yeah, a pie, any pie. Uh, but I also love savory pies, chicken pie, chicken pot pie, beef pie. Like uh, I'll, eat, I'll eat them all. It's like the crust, I guess, right? Like yep. that just in that. That is perfect. It's yeah, perfect that's food pretty good that is pretty good um the next question is breakfast or no breakfast no breakfast everyone is no breakfast i know so I what have... you wake up and what's the routine i don't know i never had breakfast i have a cup of tea because oh. you know i'm british so i have a cup of tea and then um, you know, my husband over the years has whittled me down to get me to eat something before I leave the house, but I used to be like not eating until lunch. 
that would be my thing. Um, I've noticed that I've gained some weight since my husband has been whittling me down, so I think I might go back to the no breakfast situation. <laughs> no breakfast. It's like you're, you're fasting and you don't realize it, right? Because breakfast breaks the fast. So you're like, if I skip breakfast, I'm still fasting. That's apparently a thing now, intermittent fasting. So maybe... Yeah. And you know that all that eight hours of sleeping that you had, or, you know, in some cases, six hours of sleeping that you've had is another, you know, so then you're fasting for like 12 hours. Yeah. Without even really trying. And it's trying. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No breakfast. I suggest no, going back to no breakfast. Um, okay. The last one is also food related French fries or salad. Can I have mayo with my fries? Yes, <laughs> you may. Yes, you may have mayo with your fries. Although I really do enjoy salads, and I and I really like I like Caesar salad, and I love salads with like cheese on it. Weird, like not cheddar cheese, but like goat cheese Ooh. and cranberries. Oh, so, so delicious! Oh, I love the kale is an amazing thing in a salad. Yeah, I'd love salads yeah. if they're a meal. You know, like with chicken or salmon. Oh. Not just lettuce and dressing. That's sort of. Oh, that's like, not a salad. That's, yeah, that's just lettuce and dressing. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. You may have your French fries with mayo. Um, you're the second person who said French fries with mayo. So the other one actually. I'm Canadian. We have poutine here. Canadian. So. Have you heard of poutine? I've heard of it. Oh, but my. I've, I've never had it. Okay, it's fries with okay. gravy and cheese, curds, which are like melted mozzarella cheese, basically. Mm, that sounds it's amazing. And you can get all kinds. You can get butter chicken poutine. You can get like all kinds of chili poutine. Like it just, it, it goes on and on. And it's really, it's a meal. If you can make your fries more than just fries. But I do like just the good old fashioned fry, a little bit of mayo, a little bit of must, a little bit of ketchup. Delicious. Yeah. Yum. I love it. Well, thank you for playing my game with me. And those organizations um, are amazing. I hope to just bring awareness to them. Um, you. you know, you. that's that's really what this podcast is about, is just kind of um, elevating topics that don't get a lot of um press or you know even in interviews they're not you know interviewees don't allow the guests to talk about them so that's what this is all about so I'm super excited I'm excited about the website is finally going to be up because I know right now um and SIP just had they do have an Instagram page yes they do and and so does uh, Ace Ace has oh, okay. an Instagram page too perfect so we'll yeah. make sure to tag them on social media um once this episode releases so they can see they got they got a little press um, and hopefully a little bit more um, exposure um, so that people can check it out. So thank you for this. I mean, you know, it's your, you're right. Mo, I, I don't know very many artists who aren't also activists, you know, and that have a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, I mean, the great Danica, right? So much stuff she does, right? With her incredible platform and her brilliant, brilliant mind. Uh, and um, so, uh, like, it's just such a, this is such a nice change from, let's 
talk about what happens behind the scenes. I know. Uh, yeah. Oh, so great. It's so nice to be able to talk about these well, things good. I'm so passionate about. And yeah. And uh, thank you for making time for me today. I really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, and right back at you, sister. Thank you. I, I, really, I, I really do appreciate it. And I'll be sure to show you that painting. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, and then you oh, can like the pressure is on. So I'm going to make sure that I get that canvas out as soon as I get up from here because I, I don't have anything going on until about two o'clock. So I'm going to get up. I'm going to find it. Get my and little out. Paint it while you're watching Ozark. Sounds perfect. Mm -hmm. four set. seasons now. Together. I know. I, I need to start because are they now are they on the schedule to do a I don't even know are they well, they're done they're done it? that's what I it's thought I heard final final four seasons yeah yeah so uh, good so, so done. I got a lot to do. let me know your yes, Ozark I, painting how that I will goes. yes yes <laughs> I'm now curious to know what I bought I want to say it's like a cat maybe I'm a huge cat fan I have two cats maybe it's a cat I'm not sure um but I'll let you know <laughs> okay, I can't wait to see it Oh, good. And say hi to Ruth for me. Yes, I will. For sure. For sure. A great conversation about that important subject. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited to sit down and talk with her. So thank you. And thank you for sitting down talking with me today. I appreciate oh, it. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much, Jen. For more information on Jennifer Wigmore and the organizations we talked about today, you can visit jennifersilliman.com slash heartsofstarspodcast slash Jennifer Wigmore.